This is the Bourbon Bookshelf Podcast, where we cover books, beverages, and the general BS of the day. A few disclaimers, we are not literary experts, or experts in anything for that matter, and explicit content should be expected. I am your host, Barry Price. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Tito's and Teen Reads podcast. Your host, Barry Price. <laughs> John, what are you drinking? Tito's and Topo. No Beard. lie. I'm drinking Tito's and Topo. Tito's and Topo. <laughs> Have you guys got the uh, anniversary edition bottles? Mine just says this right here. Oh, man. Check that girl out sipping from the stream. Shoot. She's not wearing that, a shirt. You want Giardia? That's how you get Giardia. She's drinking from the source. Yeah. I've got the I've got the logo from the uh the current bottle framed up. I know what I'm doing later tonight. You going to your local creek taking <laughs> your shirt off? <laughs> <laughs> I look like a gorilla drinking from the screen. <laughs> Getting down on all fours, baby. You could be shitting like one later, too. <laughs> Giardia is becoming a common theme on the show. Fever, fever. All right, so we actually have a few books this week. And a few other things. We have a lot to piggyback up off of, off the last podcast, too, I feel like. Jared, you've got uh, what? I finished up uh, Edward Abbey's Down the River Good. on a recent trip uh, from to and from Texas. So it was a good book to read on the plane. Yeah, I bet. And uh, I, uh, I gave up. I stopped reading uh, Stray Tales of... The Big Bend just couldn't. I don't know. There was something about the way it was written. It wasn't computing with me, so I decided to move on to another book. Edward Abbey. Got to be done sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Hate to do it. Had to do it. Though. Yeah, uh, I usually uh, wait way too long to make that decision. Maybe I'll pick him back up. Yeah, eventually. I've got uh, Desert Solitaire, also by Ed Abbey. It's my favorite book of all time. I reread it recently. Barry, when I was in the airport, I showed you all the picture. That that book, how old is that book? It was published in 69, I believe. Are y'all surprised that that was on display in a bookstore in the airport? Yes. That was in Charleston, and I saw it in Dallas. On display, like, first thing you see when you walk in is Desert Solitaire. Published 1968. No, it kind of surprises me, but I think, uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's probably a popular book. I don't know. Do you think it has anything to do with the 
the times. Could be, you know, uh, all Ed was a bit of an anarchist. Yes. As seen in the Monkey Wrench Gang. Yeah, which is funny because he uh, was a faithful government employee his entire life. (laughs) 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 For the the most part. And was in the military, which I didn't know uh, until I did a little digging on him. We'll get into that later. Just while we're at it, I want to... Uh, well, first of all, Jared, hmm. on your trip to Texas, yes, you got your hands on some Rio Jade by the yes. star. How was it? Where did you find it? It, it was delicious. I, I didn't find it. Uh, my sister found it, had it ready for me when I pulled up to her house, and uh, I wasn't able to find it since. Yeah. That's, uh... I, I looked everywhere. I don't know how she did it, but... A lot of things went right. We're living right. Yeah, I can't find it anywhere, <laughs> and it's not for lack of trying. It is good. For clarification, they're talking about Lone Star Beer, not the country group. You just said by Lone Star. I'm like, the, the band? <laughs> I have a feeling you're the only person who's going to think that. Probably. What a beautiful mess. What a beautiful mess. <laughs> <laughs> did, were you guys able to float? Yeah, we did. So we the they weren't able to rent tubes, but they could let us park on their property. And so we did the, the Guadalupe uh, horseshoe loop, us and about a few hundred other friends out there. Yeah. And, uh, You're friends with everybody by the end of it. Uh, yeah. It was fun, and the 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 I remember floating that stretch one time when the when they weren't releasing too much water from Canyon Lake and busting your ass on some rocks. But this trip was was much better. I guess they were they had some good flows going. Yeah, uh, another thing to touch on from well, the first thing I guess to touch on from last episode, real quick was my getting pulled over in Tennessee. I said uh, nothing came of that, but I did get a ticket for my expired tags. I just wanted to clear the air on that in case uh, the sheriff is listening. That was quite a big deal, wasn't it? You couldn't get it paid? Yeah, they wanted me to actually come back and appear in person. What? Yeah, and then... uh, it's kind of one of those, you call them to pay it, and they say, well, you got to go pay online. Then you go to pay online, and they say, well, you need to call us to pay it. But uh, I do think I eventually got it paid. That, folks, is your tax dollars at work. Perry, are you saying you could be wanted in the state of Tennessee? I could be. That's why if we ever go to the Smokies, we're only going to the North Carolina side. Yeah. The outlaw, baby. We're going to see Barry's name pop up on an Airbnb, <laughs> bust down the door. <laughs> yeah. I uh, one time got a slightly more serious ticket in a slightly smaller town and uh, only fulfilled about half of my duties on that one. The lawyer took care of the rest? No. That was a different. That one, <laughs> that one won a ticket. <laughs> Anyways, 
Uh, so since we're going to cover Ed Abbey books, I also wanted to kind of continue on with Utah stuff. Uh, Jared, in the last episode, you said you drove to Moab from the Colorado side, but you never really uh, went into any detail on that. Did you guys drive from Denver to Grand Junction um, over? So that that was when I was moving from Houston, Texas to Grand Ronde, Oregon. And at the time, the, the most mountains I've seen were in Steamboat, Colorado. Never, never really seen uh, too many mountains before then. Def- definitely have not seen desert like that or high desert until I was making the trip out. And so that was kind of an eye-opening experience. I mean, that was that was really cool. That was a trip I'll always remember, especially coming into Moab. I was just, I was in awe. Oh, it's crazy around there. You got the LaSalle Mountains out there. Looking fresh. When what you know, when I knew I was in for something special was when I could see Ship Rock off in the distance driving through Farmington, uh, New Mexico. So that that was it, it was just kind of funny how how everything changed. I got to see it all, and then and then driving through, I, I stayed the night in Salt Lake City. I believe that that night. Should have stayed in Moab. Yeah, you probably should have. So you came up, uh, you came up more through like the Four Corners area. Yeah, through New Mexico, Colorado, Utah. Did you stop at Shiprock? No, I I only saw it in the distance. I had I had, oh, I had to be at my. Uh, well, we were staying in a trailer, so I had to be at the trailer we were running <laughs> by a certain day, so I kind of had to hustle. Yeah. I still have pictures, though, on the way up, so that was pretty cool. But, John, do you remember anything from Moab? What, what, what was, like, the one thing you that most stood out in Moab, just driving through it? The burrito I ate. Dang, I should have got a damn burrito. It was uh, so good. It was good. I had a burrito and a plate of tacos. <laughs> I just think the whole area is is mm-hmm. is noteworthy because from the way we came, you know, we'd been driving through high desert. Well, we'd actually been driving. We'd been driving at higher elevations in the mountains, and then dropped down and came over the Green River, and starting high desert and just gradually gets lower uh, all the way to the Colorado river, which you cross right before you come into town. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I just remember the, the Canyon system, even there around the Colorado. And then the landscapes just is so unique through there. Arches yeah. and Canyon lands. The one thing I thought was stood out to me is when we were driving back through all of Utah that night after going to see the uh, Canyonlands and Arches, is I just felt so out of control driving on that interstate because it's so wide open. Because I've been living in the South and all the interstates are lined with trees, and you, you kind of just felt hugged in there. 
and I didn't feel like I had was able to keep it on the, on the road. It was just like, oh God, are we going? <laughs> He's going to go into oblivion. John did all the driving because we didn't pay twenty extra dollars for me to be insured on it too. Oh come on. Which was fine with me because after after I ran the half marathon in Bryce, I was in no shape to be doing anything other than sitting. And uh, I mentioned in the last episode that that was difficult. When I say difficult, I should point out that it's the most difficult run I've ever been on. Uh, and I have run a marathon in below freezing temperatures. It took you some god-awful So the Bryce Canyon Half Marathon was the most difficult race I've ever run. Uh, first of all, we'd been backpacking for two and a half days prior. Uh, it was kind of warm. It was like 90, which isn't hot by my standards, but it was hot for the area. And the race took place between 7,000 and 9,000 feet above sea level, which is... 7,000 to 9,000 feet above where you live. Yep. And so I wasn't prepared for any of that. And I run on flat ground. Uh, A good run for me will have 50 feet of elevation gain. This one had 3,000 feet of elevation gain. There was one aid station. It was at mile four. And uh, going into it, I didn't know that trail half marathons were actually 15 miles, not 13.1. So I hit 13.1 out there. I hadn't had a sip of water in two fucking hours. I'm like, where's the finish line at? Getting ridiculous. And so I ran out of water at mile nine, which also happened to be the highest point of the race. And it's fucking beautiful out there. It's probably what kept me alive through the whole thing. The whole time, John was around. I don't know what he I did all day. I expected you to finish in about two hours, so I was there 30 minutes before right, then. Like I expected also. <laughs> so I sat there. That's what I expected I also. I sat there and watched the 100-milers come in. And the, uh, the 100-mile folks said it was the hardest 100-mile they'd ever run, too. So this experience was not unique to me. But uh, the whole time I'm out there, I'm texting John. I'm like, I need a tall boy <laughs> Corona, and I want to listen to For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica when we got done. And I got there, and I had a tall boy Corona, and I listened to For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. Took me three hours and twenty one minutes. When I went to go buy that Corona, they were putting it in a paper bag, and I'm like, I don't need it. I don't need that. And they're like, This is Utah. <laughs> this is Utah. <laughs> that's that's a joke from a prior episode. But that's about a fourteen minute pace, which I've actually have come to learn is not a uh, terrible pace for a trail run. Now, when you when you finished, were you kicking yourself for your, for the time, or or did you feel accomplished? Because that's a hell of an accomplishment. Man. No, I was just uh, no, I was just glad to be done. I think I uh, I, I promptly sat down uh, and uh, had some water <laughs> because I hadn't had any for quite a while. 
And then we hung around. We had to get shuttled back uh, into town, which is where we talked to the guys who ran the 100. That guy we talked to, he did it in, what, 27 hours or something? Maybe 24. Who hosted the race? Was this – the vacation race series, or was it like it was? Okay, yeah, whatever it was then. Mm-hmm. It's since become yeah, it still is. It still is vacation, and I still get emails from them. And every time I see it, Bryce will come up. I'm like, nope. But then Zion, I think I'd like to go to Zion because it seems like a good. Because it's not through the main canyon; it's kind of off in the the wilderness areas of Zion. But uh, it was a good race. It was it was pretty well run, really, all things considered. Other than the one aid station, it that was you know twenty five percent of the way through the race. And even though we did have to shuttle, I mean the shuttles were pretty regular. I didn't wait a whole lot either time. I think we kind of forced our way on when we were leaving, so we didn't have to. Yeah, wait. I was ready to get the fuck. So out it started of there. outside of the park and finished in the park. It wasn't even in the uh, park. actually none of it none of it was in the park, but it's all still in the in the canyon systems. If you follow me on Instagram, you can go find some pictures. Uh, maybe I'll share them to the 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 uh, bourbon. What's your handle, page, Barry? But at Bad News B Rye. But uh, it's good race. If you're looking for a challenge, I'd say go get some. Very scenic. What time of year was that? Middle of summer. It was in June. June. Yeah, it was uh, right before see. June. Right before Vegas legalized weed in 2017. Yeah. Well, it was already legal, but it wasn't out. It wasn't accessible. It was June 17th, 2017. At 9.24 a.m. is when it... Is that when it started or when it finished? It was when it started. The fuck? I was going at looking at my splits. I was going at a pretty good clip till about mile five, and then I just apparently hit a wall. <laughs> it's probably when the probably when the climb started. You're telling me I've lost it all. Ryan Bingham, self righteous wall. Oh yeah, yep. No, I got, I got it. That was not how Ryan Bingham was singing it, but no, he had it down a little better. Did y'all see him cover Voodoo Child the other day? It was an interesting take on it, but it was worth listening to. So, anyways, I'm going to piggyback off that and uh, go into my book for the week. I. Uh, Reread my favorite book of all time, probably Desert Solitaire, A Season in the Wilderness. Uh, I last read it, finished it on 4th of July 2016. Uh, I finished it on July 12th of 2020 this year. Uh, basically what it's about, uh, Ed Abbey was a backcountry ranger at what was then Arches National Monument outside of uh, Moab, Utah. He, uh, the, there's parts of the book I don't like. Uh, he, he was a bit, uh, 
he did tend to kind of dabble in some politics sometimes, uh, which I don't care for from anybody, regardless of their view. And uh, But most of the book is about uh, just his time at the park, just his general observations of being in the desert, uh, several of his adventures during that time, uh, which included uh, floating down the, uh, I guess this is the Colorado, before they made the Glen Canyon Dam, what is now Lake Powell. Hiking into what is now Canyonlands National Park, the maze, uh, and climbing uh, uh, one of the mountains in the uh, LaSalle Mountains. Um, just all good stories. Uh, he writes. He writes really well uh, in a way that just kind of puts you there. It transports you out of where you're at. And every time I read it or even read a snippet of it, it makes me just want to chunk everything I've got and go live in the desert. I can verify that. And I came, I came closer, uh, than I should have to doing it this time. Uh, that's story for another day though. So anyways, I recommend anybody go read it. Um, I was surprised at the negative reviews on Amazon. <laughs> the person's my favorite. The, so the first one I came across is I love arches, which is why I bought this book. This author is like one of those people who thinks he discovered some famous band before they got big and sold out. I could not stand his read the Read the subject line. What a jerk. <laughs> the other, uh, so the others, if you like hundreds of pages of description of the desert, then this book is for you. I can attest to that. It is for you. Let's see. Some of the other good ones were my kids read this book for a summer reading assignment and they said <laughs> it was boring. So I, as their mother, came and left a one-star review. But I bet they're doing well and, uh, in life. I thought it was a, f yeah, probably. <laughs> the last one was, I thought it was a fiction novel. It is not. Uh, I think it's a great book. If you, especially if you like uh, descriptions of the desert and adventures in the desert that are beautifully written. Uh, there's a lot of folks. There's uh, one little scene where uh, he kills a rabbit with a rock. <laughs> just to see if he could do it. And there was a uh, shocking number of one-star reviews left on the book because of that one little clip. So anyways, Desert Solitaire by Ed Abbey. I'm, I wonder if Yvonne Chouinard of Patagonia ate a bunch of shit because he said he was a hunter. Oh, I bet he did. I'm surprised they didn't make him shut down his damn company. Jared, let's hear about your book. Ed, uh, this is actually the only book I've ever read by Ed Abbey. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I uh, have read The Monkey Wrench Gang, too, which is, a, which is a work of fiction, and it's a good read. I do well. recommend Fire on the Mountain, too, if you have any other, if you want to get into it a little more. What about, well, John, have you read Brave Cowboy? 
I have not. I think that's going to be my next. Anyhow, this this is my my fourth Ed Abbey book, Down the River. Sister gave it. Let me borrow it to read on my flight home. But uh, so as the name would uh, imply, Down the River uh, goes into a few uh, few of his river trips that are absolutely hilarious. No, no one's really pointed out how funny Ed Abbey actually is. It just just in his writing, but it's uh, it, dude. It's like if you like dry humor, man. That it, it, his his books are it. But uh, so it has four sections. Each section pretty much starts off with uh, with a river trip, but within each section, there's like four different stories. Um, there's not not every story is about or every essay is about a, a river trip and uh as a matter of fact he he goes into description on, on a race talks about a story of a race in albuquerque new mexico put on by the hobie tribe in memory of of a formal tribal member but anyway his daughter ran it goes in a funny story how he thought his daughter uh, got lost on the trail and his adventure just trying to find his daughter anyway gets back to the start line she was there but the very next day after reading finishing this book I go into work and I'm chatting with one of the guys from a, another facility and He's talking about a race that he ran in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it happens to be the exact same race. So I was like, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. I just read about that in a book just no more than 24 hours ago. Like it, it was just it was, a, it was a foot race. Yeah. It's like seven miles or something. And uh uh I thought that I thought that was pretty interesting. Such a small race, too, uh, I think. But I think uh, I think he kind of considered Albuquerque his home base. But yeah. uh, anyway, what all uh, what all rivers did he? Uh, let's see. So one of them is the Green River. I think he has two. I think he has two stories. Two of his stories are about the the Green River. Um. That's about all I can remember. I don't want to give too much away either, but it, it's it's extremely interesting. I I I thought I thought it was a great a great read. Uh, he mentions the Rio Grande several times, but no, none of the stories from those from those trips. So one thing. About it, Abby. Did you find your favorite one star reviews? Uh, I just <laughs> we got some pulled up. You got some? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, actually, no, no, no. What I meant was there are no one star reviews for this book. Really? Yeah. There's not even a two star star reviews either. Wow. Uh, the lowest one is a three star review. Love Abby, but other works are better. 
He is great in Desert Solitaire and most of his other works. I tend to skip the political musing. There you go. Me too. Did I leave that review? <laughs> Bap. <laughs> I, uh, there are a few comments on Desert Solitaire about what a uh, not great human being Ed Abbey was, uh, which was true. I think he was married five or six times uh, and had a handful of, yeah, had a handful of kids with each. Uh, I don't know, make him a bad guy, though, but uh, <laughs> he was also on uh, on some FBI watch lists and uh, things like that. And like I said, he was mostly a mostly a government employee his whole life, but uh, had strong. Who uh, isn't on an FBI watch list? Man, I don't know anymore. I'm sure, certainly none of us. But uh, my favorite thing with Ed Abbey is that when he died, the first thing they asked him were his final words, you know, as I guess everybody does. And he said, no comment. Uh, And then the other thing is he asked to be buried in his sleeping bag in the desert where nobody would find him. And... They did that. They buried him in the desert where nobody would find him. And to my knowledge, nobody has found him yet. Wow. So if you're looking for an adventure, there you go. It's in Arizona. I tried to, I did a little research on it. Best I could find was that it's in Arizona somewhere. Yeah, I think he was living in Flagstaff. Yeah. A lot of his life. And the grave is marked, uh, says Ed Abbey, and then, you know, his lifespan, and then it says no comment. I kind of revere him like people revere Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, I could see that. You got, it's a love-hate relationship. I don't really care about Ed Abbey's personal life. That's his own business, but... What he put together with Desert Solitaire, I admire and, and envy that. Uh, spending, he doesn't even know how long he spent going down the Colorado River before it became Lake Powell. The whole time he's like, we've been out here three, four days, and then it's like, we've been out here eight or nine days, and then it's like, <laughs> 12 days. And I envy that because I can't envision a point in my life in any way where I could ever go do that. And just be that out of touch for, for even. Yeah, we days. had kind of talked about that. We had talked about that after I listened to a podcast where this guy went down on like an eighteen day trip down the Colorado through the Grand Canyon. I couldn't get eighteen days off work if I wanted to. And shit, probably couldn't even sustain myself without eighteen days of income. Some of those folks might live such a low income life it doesn't even no sweat. The, the rafting guys. <laughs> yeah. One of my coworkers actually used to be a rafting guide on the uh, Green River in Vernal, Utah. I think it was the Green. He said that's what he wants to go back and do when he retires, too. That'd be I could awesome. see that. I want to go be a cart boy when I retire. 
free golf, baby. Which we've all been. That's something uh, we've never touched on, but we all have a history of being cart boys in this group. The bell curve. <laughs> Start, started there and finished yeah. there. You're going to find me dead in a cart barn one day. Drinking somebody's leftover six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Found a beer. <laughs> we got like a live one. We got a live one. <laughs> that's what every, that's what every cart boy hopes for at the end yeah. of the night. That's coming across that one dude. Yeah, one live one made it through the day. Oh. Drink it on the way. <laughs> I have found a whole six pack before at Lake yeah. Ridge. Lake Ridge, a, Lubbock, Texas. Yes, sir. Were you 21 years old? You probably were. Oh, that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time. I remember every so often, well, when we'd have a big tournament, we'd find a lot of beer a lot of times. And uh, sometimes it'd be out on the course. And, man, every so often we'd just kind of find one around on the course, too, you know. <laughs> One's got half yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not I mean we'd find them in the coolers on the course. Find them, air quotes. <laughs> How you doing, sir? Pop it up, reach in. <laughs> Do you need that? Need me to clean the clubs? Yeah. I used to clean clubs for tips, and then one day somebody stole all my tips, and I never cleaned a fucking golf club again for the rest of my life after that. Not even my own. <laughs> what course did you work at, Barry? Paladura Creek, Canyon, Texas. Did did y'all have any big tournaments? Tournaments? Uh yeah, we had uh, the biggest would have been the Raging Cajun. With was it a two man deal? Mm-hmm. I don't remember the structure of it. Okay, just wondering. Lubbock Lubbock had the their three country clubs had had the three majors. Like, yeah, like a two two man kind of thing and uh i always remember working that tournament there at lake ridge and that was when we found the most beer man and we made the most money yeah those were uh, good days we've got that here too so we've got there's midland country club uh green tree country club and odessa country club and each one of them all has so they all have a big four-man tournament and they all have a big two-man tournament uh, and the, uh, I play, I played in all of them last year. That's too much, man. Cause the, for one, they're all in the summer and it's way too damn hot and they're all four days long, but then you're just drinking and partying the whole time. Uh, the biggest of all of them is called the classic and it's at Midland country club. It's a four man deal and it's a different format every day. But, uh, and I think I told you guys this last year, I'm walking around the country club after we played. I probably had, you know, tons of drinks. And uh, there's a guy sitting in the clubhouse. I'm like, that dude looks familiar the whole time. I couldn't put a bead on who it was. Well, later that night, everyone's like, y'all hanging out to party? And we're like, well, yeah, you know, paid for this thing, didn't we? And, uh, Damn band comes up and it's Flatland Cavalry's playing. Get out of here! At the damn golf tournament, there's what? 50 people out at this thing. 
And so, anyways, we're out till you know three in the morning drinking. It probably wasn't that late. It's probably like ten forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> felt like three in the morning. I tell you, when I woke up the next morning, it felt like it had been three in the morning that I was out till. But uh, they're good tournaments. They all have huge Calcuttas. Uh, I can't. I don't know what the Calcutta was last year at the Classic. Uh, but the year before it was like six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Holy crap! And then uh, the four man, which is the big one at Odessa Country Club, it's my favorite. Uh, and my employer's the title sponsor of it. The Calcutta, at it was it was the same as six fifty, seven fifty, something like that. And so it's like they're legit. You know, the people that are in the in the championship flight, like trying to win that thing, it's serious business. But for those of us that are in the third or fourth flight, it's just four days out of the office. Did uh did did does the name Billy West sound familiar? Mm, maybe. No. Okay. We actually won some day money at the four man last year. It was eight hundred bucks or something. Cash. Good lord. We have to cut all this out. I don't know if this stuff's supposed to be. <laughs> supposed to be common knowledge but anyways uh you're gonna lose your amateur yeah status. encourage your kids to go be a cart boy is what all that was about <laughs> dude i thought calcuttas weren't were supposed to be a hush hush thing because i remember one year at lake ridge it was it was not to really be even talked about one year yeah I uh, I kind of think the Calcuttas in both of these tournaments are like pass a piece of paper around in the locker yeah. room after hours type deal. Not to get anyone in trouble. I didn't name any names. <laughs> I'm more concerned with the bowl of ibuprofen in the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a Green Tree Country Club staple. You just spoon them right out. i uh i'm a member at green tree country club and amazingly i have never played in either of their big tournaments uh which are the jamboree and the gusher the jamboree was actually just this weekend i'm glad i didn't play in it because it's 115 every day not a breath of wind the gusher it's called the gusher in the jamboree Let's a sign gusher. up, boys. Let's sign up, boys. Can't. There's a waiting list. Shit. That I'm on, Bo. I guess I said I played in all of them. I should say I played in Odessa and Midlands, but not at Green Trees, which is the only club I'm a member at. Let's go run the Stampede, then. I know Lake Ridge like the back of this hand. I, uh, I've heard of the Stampede, too. I probably wasn't – probably shouldn't name it, but – that's all right. We don't have very many. We don't got very many listeners. Uh, all right. So, anyways, I guess let's. Uh, John, you wanted to uh, discuss uh, breathe. Is it breathe or breath? Breathe. Breathe. <clears throat> Which you have not finished. It- right or did- no, I have not. Uh, so this guy is it James Nestor? Yes, believe. He was on the Rogan podcast the other day, and I listened to it, and he was talking about how we, as a society, like, we don't know how to eat, 
anymore. Uh, we don't know how to breathe either. So we spend a lot of a lot of our time breathing through our mouths, and we should be breathing through our nose. So that kind of got my attention, and I and it's a uh, <clears throat> what was I saying? He was a uh, yeah. He got my attention. So I bought his book on Audible because I was driving around all weekend and got through about half of it. It's pretty interesting stuff. I've been doing some of the breathing exercises. I, I don't breathe through my mouth typically because I dip. So I've um, been having to, uh, but I've been trying the breathing exercises to talk about. He talks about your mouth being too small. I'm not going to go that far, but I think it's worth a listen to see if you maybe can fix some of your ailments by breathing through your nose. Dude, I, I don't know, man. I know a lot of people with big mouths. Anyway, <laughs> well, I, I don't think he meant. I don't think he meant uh, figuratively. <laughs> but I uh, I listened to the same podcast, and it's funny because when I was listening to it, I was thinking I, uh, about telling John about it. And I went to bed, and when I woke up the next day, John had texted me and said, "You need to go listen to this podcast." And so it it was interesting, you know. It, uh, a lot of it ties back to uh, monks and things like that, people that live at high altitudes and and stuff like that. And if you can control your, your breath, you have a lot of control over your body in itself. And Jared, for you as a runner, should look at – do some digging into it. He, he mentioned one story specifically was uh, – a track coach back in the fifties or sixties, which is kind of when this stuff started falling out would make his team take a big drink of water and then run a lap. And when they got back, they had to put the water back in a cup to the same height that it oh, was wow. before. So to make sure they've been breathing through their nose all the way around the, the track. It, he he gives several examples of sports teams, like a, I think it was the U.S. swim team at the Montreal Olympics. I have no idea what that year that was. But they were doing some of these breathing techniques, and they did they performed better than any swim team in history, even to this day. But a lot of these things with athletics, it's kind of torturous. So you want to be at a kind of high level if you're going to be doing these breathing techniques. But uh, I'm, It's not something you just dive into. Yeah. He – um. He also mentioned that he tapes his mouth shut every night with a postage stamp size piece of surgical tape just over the front of his lips. And I tried that and both nights I've woke up at four and like subconsciously took them off. But I, I woke up and didn't die. And Katie hasn't noticed any snoring except this morning at 530 when the tape was not on my lips. So after he I'm took it off is when he started snoring. Yeah. You could sleep with the tape over your mouth? It's not that bad. It's I put it on while I'm still reading, and it doesn't bother me too much. It's kind of weird, but... I tried, it last, I, just, I tried it last night, but it was with packing tape. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I should probably wait until I can scrounge up my surgical tape, which is in my golf bag. So... Uh, this thing 
particularly caught my interest because of I'm doing that whitewater stuff and um, wanting to learn to hold my breath a little bit longer so I can spend more time under the water, which I don't want to do, but I would like to be able to. Are there any like mental benefits of, of doing this? Like, does he go in, does he talk about that as well? I don't mental clarity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he does get some meditative type benefits. And the other thing he talked about, one thing he noticed specifically was, uh, his blood pressure. And this was just in a matter of minutes. His blood pressure went down uh 10 or 15 basis points i don't know what you'd call it wow uh just from doing some deep breathing exercises that's pretty amazing what else did he you know sleeping better and then of course stuff with like anxiety uh, and asthma you know a lot of that clears up too sounded like now, basically, his whole argument is that we breathe too much. We take in too much oxygen. But how did we, like, I'm having a hard, I'm trying to understand how we even got to that point to begin with. Is it just because of eating soft food? Oh, yeah, we started eating so, avocados instead of nuts, I guess. He said something like that people used to chew for four hours a day. They'd just be chewing on their that tough piece of meat, and we're over here beating the shit out of the meat and smoking it for seventeen hours till it fall off the bone. So we can at least, so we can just basically put it in our mouth and swallow it. I don't know about beating the shit out of the meat, but <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> but we're good <laughs> all in all the thing i took from it is the same thing i took i take from a lot of rogan episodes when he's got people on and that's that just we've all become fucking soft over the last 200 years Pussification. Amen. Yep. So, uh, John, the reason he took interest because of your whitewater rafting, he went and did some more practice this weekend. How'd that go? Yeah, I went up there for a, a roll class, and <clears throat> it was $35, two hours long. They'll outfit you with anything you need, so you don't have to have any of the gear. Damn, that's not bad, $35 to spend. Yeah. And we got out there and kind of went over the basics again, went through the different parts of the rolling the kayak over from when you're upside down in the kayak and rolling it back over upright without having to get out of the boat. And I got to the point where if he just put me in the right position, I could do the movement to get it back over. And it is such a weird feeling when you're um, – so basically you have to be sitting at a 90-degree angle, and if you're leaning back, you don't have enough power in your hips. Or if you're leaning forward, you don't have enough power in your hips. So you just – you kind of just roll back 
you roll over a little bit and then you come back into the water and you're still fucked. So you need to be a, a 90 degree spine to hips. Yeah. And your, your boat is upside down in the, it's kind of, you're still, your boat is upside down and you're out on the side of your boat at a 90 degree angle with your boat. Okay. I got you. So I'm talking about 90 degree to your hips too. Cause I was leaning back a lot of the We time. got a lot of different 90 degree angles going on. I think. Yeah. There's a couple <laughs> boats, boats upside down. You're, you're out to the side. You're 90 degrees to the boat. To and then you're also yeah. spine and hips need to be at 90 degrees as well. Correct. Okay. And that, just being 90 degrees with the boat means your your spine and your hips are 90 degrees. And you have the paddle on the water. So it gives you just enough surface tension to get you up. So you're not like pulling it down. You just have it essentially just laying there on the water. And then you use your body to flip you up. Yeah, it's called a, a hip snap. So you're just snapping the your right side in my case. And it's just throwing that knee up. And that'll pop the boat o- over. And then this is the big part. You have to leave your body in the water. You, you want to do like a sit-up and roll towards the way the boat, boat's rolling. So I, I was watching a guy do it. And he'd come out of the water and he's like leaning towards the boat and he looks like he's trying to fight it and he's trying to sit up and he just rolls back in. So you have to leave, you have to let your head be the last thing that comes on top of the boat. Your, your head is following everything else. Your boat comes up and then your body comes up and then your head comes up. And it's just a weird feeling when that's all happening. It's like a Phoenix rising from the ashes. Well, I would think, I would think it's kind of a thing like let the boat do the work probably. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. You get it moving, and then you just go. You just you're along for the ride at that yeah. point. Huh. And you mastered it. I've not mastered it, but I'm able to do the the movement. I guess I can get myself into the p- position. He was ha- he having to guide me there, and then he would just like let go, and I'd do the do the work from there. So he suggested for the next time to go ahead, I'm going to get private lessons and get someone out there and we can just kind of nail it down and then move out into some moving water, go down some rapids and do it in the moving water. Cause it's all different there too. It's, it's the same movement. It's just, there's a lot more going no, on. You aren't moving water. You're just in like a, a pool. Yeah. Okay. The, the class is actually called mastering the flat water roll. It almost seems like it'd be easier in moving water, but uh, it probably depends on which way you're facing, and you got to be able to get up whatever way you're facing. Yeah. So, and then I spent some time just walking around the the uh, Whitewater Center, and I didn't get to do that the last time I was up there and look at all the rapids and see people going through it and watch the rafters uh, fall out of the boat. Do some studying. Yeah. Well, and then. You went and met Jared Bro in person for the first time. Yes, sir. How'd that go? I think it went well. It was all right. It was all right. <laughs> it was all right. 
no, may we, surprise may surprise some of our listeners, but uh, we're working remote, so yeah, no, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Uh, I stayed well the cabin in Pecos. I stayed there well well before even meeting you, John. I, I thought it's kind of funny it took us that that long to to meet in person. Especially living in the same state, a, a relatively small state too. Uh, we played Indian River, which was we did, we both agreed that this course had a lot of potential, but it was not executed well. Where was that at? In West Columbia, South Carolina. What y'all shoot? Um, I did not keep score after. That. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I shot. Jared, you're a collegiate athlete. Three. I shot an eighty-three. I went. What did I go? I had a pretty rough front nine. We, we both did. But I mean, when 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 you're losing golf balls in the middle of the fairway, you you know something's wrong. Oh shoot, man! When you're a weekend warrior, you can't count shit like uh, that. No, you're right. Oh, I, yeah, I went forty six thirty seven. Whoa, that's very price <laughs> round right there. <laughs> and that was actually was, it, was that par on the back? Uh, par was thirty five. Oh, they had three. I think they had three par fives on the front. Yeah, dude, I, I really like the way that course was set up, but it, I feel like it it its prime was probably 20 years ago yeah <laughs> just needed a little tlc probably it needs love and probably a couple mil i can understand that but it was fun good good well i'm glad y'all finally got to meet each other uh, kathy was giving me shit all day she's like are you are you mad your friends are golfing without you <laughs> <laughs> Like you're on the other side of the country. She's like, "How does it feel? You've been you're the black sheep of the group." Yeah. <laughs> it's well. I, I think we need. We should get a golfing trip lined up. If shit, y'all bring if your you sticks. Got the time. Whoa, 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 whoa! You bring your sticks. It's the golf capital of the world. South, Car- yeah, South Carolina. Number one in golf. South Carolina, number one in golf. According to the license plates. Because we're last in everything else. Hey, we could go play fucking Paco Ridge in Santa Fe. We could. We, well, do we have the time? We make the time. We got to make the time. <laughs> <laughs> if it's important to you, you'll be at <laughs> Uh, speaking of golfing, I'm going to uh, the Cliffs next week. I'm going to be there for six days. Surely I can squeeze Where's in that a round of golf. Uh, is it Lake Possum Kingdom? And uh, I don't know what in the great I don't know what Texas. Oh, yeah, it's in Texas. I don't know what the town is. Don't really care. It's it's kind of what west of DFW. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, so. If you go to Eastland, Texas, or uh, and turn north, 
you will eventually wind up at Possum Kingdom. Is it a resort? The Cliffs is a resort, yes. It's got a it's a four star rated golf course, I think. Uh, it's beautiful. And then the lake is badass too. That's some huge lake. Incredible views, man. Yeah. I uh I think I'm gonna get a fishing guide. I don't know. I'm gonna rent a boat for sure. But uh anyways, I'll be there all I'll be there all week. How many Next rounds week. of golf are you getting in? Is it just you? Uh I'll be the only one golfing, yes. I'm going okay. with my family. Yeah. But uh but uh, I'll be the only one golfing. I'd like to probably get two in. I haven't played golf since January. This is the longest I've ever been without playing golf in my life right now. So the cliffs isn't exactly a course to just go out and try to work the kinks out on. Well, they got a driving range. Yeah, so I'll be on the driving range every day probably. But And I'm hoping like Sunday afternoon when I get there, maybe my cell phone will flop out into the lake and – won't have to worry about that. For hey, make while. sure make sure you take some uh, garbage some garbage balls to hit off of the number nine T. Oh, for sure. You know what else I'm taking is some garbage sunglasses because yes, <laughs> the body of water, and I know what happens with me around bodies of water. I couldn't lose these if I tried. I don't know if I've ever mentioned on the podcast. I think I have. Uh, when I had a pair of Gooders overnighted to me. Did I mention this? <laughs> I had. So last year we went to Port Aransas for seven days for our family vacation. And I said, I'm not going to Port Aransas without any fucking gooders. I, uh, gum. I, uh, so anyways, I get to Port Aransas. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm getting out of sorts. I had a pair of gooders that I liked very much. And I went to Amarillo the weekend before we went to Port Aransas. And after spending all day on the golf course with my good friend Tyler, drinking to extreme excess, I'm sure. Uh, because Tyler didn't drink till he was in college, so he's making up for lost time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I left those gooders on a uh, table at a restaurant. I called them the next day. I said, hey, I left my sunglasses there. I'm sitting at this table. I really want them. She's like, well, call back when my manager gets here. Well, I had to leave town come back to Midland. I get back to Midland, and I said, I can't go to Port Aransas without any sunglasses. So I go to my local shop. They're completely out. Shocker. So I get on Gooder, order up some whiskey shots with Satan, my favorite pair, and pay to have them overnighted. They show up, and our second day, maybe third day in Port Aransas, I get them, go, they're all good, loving the shades, they're doing their job. Third day down there, we have a... Uh, guided bay fishing trip for half a day from 8 8 a.m to noon actually it was like actually it's like 6 a.m to noon 
which is probably arguably the most important time to have polarized sunglasses. We hadn't been on the damn boat five minutes and those things fell off my head and went into the bay to be gone forever. So now I'm pretty sure I have talked about this on podcast before. Now I always have multiple pairs of sunglasses handy because I cannot be trusted with them, especially around bodies of water. <laughs> That's terrible luck, man. <laughs> the guide even went looking for him. He's like, well, hold on. I bet I can find him because, you know, the bay's only three feet deep, two uh-huh. feet deep. He's all jumping in the water looking around for him. Oh, shit. Like, man, they're $20 sunglasses. Just go put me on a red, which he wasn't as good as I would have liked it doing, but I had a good time nonetheless. Was it tough fishing conditions or what? Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't, uh, I'm not an expert fisherman by any means. I don't, uh, you know, the water was a little cloudy, uh, but the weather was nice. My, what I think was wrong was in all my prior experience with fishing uh, for reds or any saltwater fishing for that matter, I have always fished with live shrimp. And this guide had us fishing with cut bait. Mm. And so we caught a bunch of shit, but it was all shit. We caught, what, three stingrays, I think, a couple dogfish, and then one red, which I had to use my uh, over 30 tag on, which was good, but just the one. And I made fish tacos out of them, and they're fucking delicious. There may not have been live shrimp to be had. They're kind of seasonal too, so yeah. But anyway, when are they seasonal? Yeah, this was May. This was Memorial Day weekend, twenty nineteen. Yeah, I don't. I don't recall. I haven't lived in Texas a long time, Barry. True that. I haven't lived on the Texas coast in a long time. So anyways, I think I said all that to say I'd like to get a fishing guide while I'm at Possum Kingdom and go catch some stripers. But that shit ain't cheap. I don't know if y'all have ever got a guided fishing trip before, but... Uh, have you ever seen Ozark? I have. They got a, I got a fishing guide on that trip. I'm not sure I remember that part. I can I can probably assume what happened, but I haven't even seen the show, and I'm assuming probably wrong. Oh man, you hadn't seen Ozark? You should watch it. It's I good. couldn't make it it's past good. the first ten minutes. It couldn't good. do it. The first ten minutes are the best. Couldn't part. do it, man. Yeah, <laughs> when he's explaining laundering money, uh, I was like, I, I could I, do that. This, this isn't me. Uh. Any closing thoughts? Nope. Jared, it was nice to meet you. John, it was nice meeting you too, man. We're, we'll have to get together, not this weekend, but the next. I'm down. Let's do it.
Barry, feel free to join us. I'm going to be a possum kingdom. Oh, gosh. Leave. Just disappear. I-20 uh, well, I- all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally when i uh well i'd love to but when i get back from possum kingdom i'm going to look at uh three different plots of land that border big bend national park so against That'd john's cool. advice i go i texted john and i said john do you think it'd be foolish to buy some land around big bend he doesn't say anything he's like no 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 he lists all these things to think about. And then he goes, maybe some other dumbass will buy it later. <laughs> Keywords being other dumbass. <laughs> buy it later. <laughs> what I said was keep in mind that there might not be another dumbass to buy it later. But there will be. And they're going to pay a premium for it. The only other closing thought I have, and I just feel like I need to correct the record because I made myself sound a little foolish in the 4th of July episode as I prepare another drink, uh, is in regards to traveling destinations versus drinking destinations. <laughs> and John asked if this is places we like to go drink or places we like to travel to. And I wanted to clarify a little bit because... Uh, there's a town that Jared was just at called New Braunfels, Texas. The only reason I would ever go to New Braunfels, <laughs> Texas is to party all weekend. That's right. So that would be a drinking destination. There's towns like Marathon, Texas that I'll go sit in sober as a nun all weekend. But I don't, but I could. <laughs> So anyways, I just want to clear the air on that. That's my final thought. There are both, though. You, you can have both, can't you? Both in the same place, like Asheville. Which... Yeah, you could have both. Rio Dose is kind of that way. It all depends on what your objective for the weekend is. But I'm not going to go spend a weekend in New Braunfels just to eat kolaches. No. I'm going to float the river. and From Bucky's? Yeah. <laughs> So, anyways, I think that's all I got. Jared, you make any stock trades this week? Uh, oh, go ahead, John. Speaking of Bucky's, uh, we're getting some in Alabama. About four hours from here. Is it on I ten? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I twenty. I twenty, dude. I'm telling you, they're taking over both twenty and I ten. It's only a matter of time. I ten goes all the way out that way. Jacksonville. I didn't know that. Yes, sir. Yeah, it r- runs along the Florida coast, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Runs through Nolens and there, there's, out that way. There's two Buckies down there. Florida-Georgia line. <laughs> Reminds me of a Wheeler Walker Jr. <laughs> video. Oh, shit. <laughs> he's, he's making fun of those assholes. <laughs> and he goes, I'm Florida, and this is Georgia line. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! That I remember when me and Jared were in Santa Fe <laughs> after we'd been discriminated against at a restaurant. 
we uh I wanted to go back and play a Wheeler Walker song <laughs> at the restaurant that I will never visit again. That burger was good though. It was. You know what? Don't have me so we can go again. I, I don't think I still don't think they'd get it. <laughs> Our waiter be like, hey, something's, something's missing from this so- group. Maybe I ought to bring myself into this party. <laughs> hey, you know what though? I've got a I've got a customer who has to do a lot of business in Santa Fe and he claims to have had similar experiences. So no kidding. Uh, yeah. So it's not uncommon. Yeah. Wow. I'm a fourth Hispanic, everyone, so yeah. I'll be able to get us in everywhere. My, uh, I just don't look it. I have. I'm. I'm pretty purebred, but uh, my family is uh, my uh, purebred also yeah, of a different race. Not not my family, but not my birthing family. The family I'm merging into. So I'm pretty. Pretty tolerant, you know. I just said I don't like when people bring politics into stuff, so we better stop. But be careful if you go to Santa Fe with your friend. Oh, <laughs> I think that place was called the porch or the patio. I feel like my parents go there, the food was great. Until things, so I ordered a dessert as I often do, and that's when we started noticing shit was a little weird. It came out and set it right in the middle of the table, and there's one spoon on it. <laughs> so me and Jared look at each other like, okay. And Jared, Jared actually has a little bit of self control, so he wasn't having any anyways. So I take it. I'm just gonna tell the story, I guess. So, so later we ask for our check and we bring it out or the guy brings it out. It's not separated. I don't recall if we asked for it to be separated or not. He but, never asked. Uh, I don't, I don't know. How do you want? We brought it out and we go, Hey, can we get this separated? And he just kind of looks at the check and he looks at me and Jerry and I've got boo with me. Boo's not, He's badass dog, but he ain't like he's not a Rottweiler, you know. Probably didn't not, help the situation. Not super masculine. <laughs> he looks at both of us and he goes, "You want your checks separated?" And we go, "Yeah." And he looks at it and kind of looks at us and he's like, "Uh, okay." And then he goes back. <laughs> <laughs> and seriously, we were not welcome in that place after that. Our service not was not the same. Yeah. Manager brought the separate checks out. And he's like, here's y'all separated checks. Y'all need to, he's like, please pay. <laughs> it was. So. It was an interesting situation. It's tough, tough being a straight, white, mostly conservative male in the NFA. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that burger. <laughs> But the burger was good. The green chili cheeseburger. And the brownie thing I got was really good, too. Yeah, that looked pretty bomb. 
But uh, anyways, that's that. Pick your pick your poison in Santa Fe. And uh, I guess Stocks. that's all I got. Stocks. I have not. I have not bought any. Barry, it sounds like you've made some moves. I uh, I'm still holding uh, Parsley Energy PE and Southwest Love. Not on the board of either, nor is anyone in my family. But uh, I uh, have been slow. They've been on a minor decline over the last uh, two weeks, and I've just been slowly. Uh, Increasing my position in both because I'm a firm believer in both. I sold all my stock to buy a air conditioner for my house. It does. Do you not have an emergency fund? I do. I didn't want to use it. That's tough. I'd be in the same boat. Because then you got to replenish the emergency fund. Yeah, I figured I'd replenish the stock and keep the emergency fund, which is not as big as I'd like it to be. Yeah. Welcome to the Dave Ramsey Show, everybody. Jared, <laughs> what's up? So you've been pretty inactive. Just, Just watching them gains, watching the gains roll in, dude. I, there's it's hard to gain right now, at least in my portfolio. It seems like anytime I have a good day, there's going to be a bad day in, 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 uh, in just a little while. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of hard for me to, to make gains right now, but it's slowly creeping up. Slowly good. creeping up. Good. Mine have, uh, Mine, it was getting pretty dire there for a minute, but you know, I kept uh, kept lowering my basis, and now uh, things are bouncing back. I'm feeling optimistic. I'm still eyeballing that genius G N U S that we talked about. Uh, it's been extremely volatile, but uh, I ain't scared of a little volatility. Man, they had a big time spike there for a second. Yeah. Like I said, volatile. Dude, do, do, do they pay dividends? Nope. What's their P to E ratio? I haven't committed, though. Man, there for a while, it's like up 31 day, 30%, down 30%, up 40%, down 30%. Have you ever had? Have you had anyone at work, either of y'all, like convince you? They 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 were just talking about a stock, and that it was enough to convince you to buy it, buy into a certain company. Mm, I'm that person at work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're the one that does it. <laughs> <laughs> probably they all look at me like I, I'm the trading expert. <laughs> I'm probably that person too. Well, I'm the person that to you. Well, I talked John into buying Chesapeake, I feel like, and I feel bad about it, but yeah, he made that yeah. decision on his own. <laughs> we talked we talked a friend into buying I, I talked a friend into buying uh, Synergy oh. pharmaceuticals and 
I've got a I've got a funny stock story here for in a second, but I actually uh, one of my coworkers is a former uh, broker from uh, I don't I don't remember where he worked. And I probably shouldn't say even if I could. And so he's like a pro at this shit. And so I try to listen to what he says, but everything he says is so above and beyond my level of understanding that I don't even it's not even worth listening to. But he has given me some solid advice, which I think I've shared with both of y'all offline. It's proprietary. Yeah. And then uh, the funny stock story I have. So when I graduated college, we had dinner at a nice restaurant in Amarillo, Texas. And when I say we, I mean me and my grandparents and a couple of a uh, couple of buddies and my family and uh i got some graduation money and while we were there we were talking about stocks and i had an uncle that goes uh uh kramer said he thinks this stock is going to take off that stock was synergy pharmaceuticals sgyp and uh, he says, I put half my net worth in it. And I'm thinking, wow, that seems aggressive. But aside from that story, a buddy I was with, whose name I will not mention, latched on to that fucking statement. And over the next five years, probably, channeled a ton of money into synergy pharmaceuticals john where are synergy pharmaceuticals at nowadays they are a holding of bausch healthcare now but they bought for pennies on the dollar <laughs> so don't make large investment decisions over something you heard from somebody something they heard from somebody on tv <laughs> Because I know between two people of at least a hundred thousand dollars lost. <laughs> oh. stock. It is what it is, though. Can't take the heat. Get out the kitchen. Yep. Rest in peace, Chesapeake. Yep. for listening to this episode of the bourbon bookshelf podcast we hope you've enjoyed it until next time you can support us by liking us on instagram at bourbon underscore bookshelf and by subscribing to and reviewing the podcast talk to you soon